Welcome to Switcheroo, a dirty little podcast about religion, sex, and all the in-between parts. With your hosts, Maggie Baxter, an atheist turned evangelical, and Nick Vu, an evangelical turned atheist. Look at my face. It's a beautiful face. Cool. Maggie. Mm-hmm. You texting someone really important? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Who was it? And texting a vice president. I'm trying to <laughs> I was trying to make a joke about like the actual vice president and I'm like, Jesus Who? Christ, I don't even know. Who is it? Uh, Kamala Harris. It's Kamala Harris. <laughs> I, I could picture her. Mm-hmm. I was like, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, wait a second. I I think there are, at least I am, suspended in animation back in like 2015, Mm -hmm. uh, back when Joe Biden was the vice president. Yeah. I miss those days. Wait. Mm. Yeah, 2015, before the 2016 election. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Those, we always reminisce about the old days. Did you know that I found out I was pregnant with my first child on election night of 2016? Wow. Was yeah. that emotional for it you? It was a roller coaster. We, like, there were a lot of people in my family who were very upset about that election night. And we thought maybe we should just tell people to, like, cheer them up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we didn't. I we remember didn't do that. I had a date night with Amanda and. I was happy to just stay in and not really pay attention to anything. But she's like, I think I need to go on a walk out in Capitol Hill because that's where I lived. Yeah. And people were just like crying on yeah, the sidewalk. Yeah, like crying and like sobbing. Bawling. Yeah, like, oof. I worked at a church at that point, And the next day we had like a, a gathering of a particular gr- like group that was all made up of women and several of which who were abuse survivors mm. and we all sat and like had like a candlelit session of mourning yeah. <laughs> after that should we air talk that is anti-trump even vaguely such as this i mean that, that it's a little political intro but yeah politically biased but uh and, and i do I mean, imagine fuck that guy <laughs> sure i could i could see us having some trumpy listeners it could, it could but, be. I mean, ideally, we would range across like evangelicals to liberals. Yeah, I agree. Let's say this. Uh, I think part of that can be used, at least the part where it's like, you were pregnant. Yeah, That's on good. election night. Yeah. And I tried to make it unbiased by saying like... Mm-hmm. People in my family were not super happy about the yeah. outcome. Oh, yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Hey. Fuck Donald Trump. Run! And the horse you rode in on. Yeah. I said, hey, Zazik, who's this girl back here? That's the love, my girl. What's she doing? Is she talking on the telephone? But also, right. like, all of mainstream politics in general, like, we could go into a whole thing about that, and we Oof. won't. <laughs> I'm I'm listening to the audiobook of Les Mis, not, not the musical, yeah. the book. It's so good. You've read it? Yes. All 60 hours of I, the I, audio? Well, I have you, not listened to the audiobook. Right. I read the book. Right, right. That I, There's a Wikipedia page for longest books in the world and and it's 
up very there. high up there. Really? There, it's probably the first one that you've heard of. Good there's, for me. There's lots that I've never heard of. Okay. Yeah, but that was a big one. I mean, longer than War and Peace, longer than Infinite Jest. Whoa. Uh, for some reason, they call Lord of the Rings like all oh, three. Oh, it was one, one book. Yeah, that's... Um, it probably has something to do with maybe it was all written at once and then published separately. Yeah. I don't know exactly how they define it, but it's... God, it's brilliant. Anyway, uh, Politics. yeah, there, he talks about war a lot. It is so smart and oof, it's it's good. But he, uh, he was like really on the side of the people. Yeah, like, revolution. He was from from like 1860... He was very progressive. He was fighting for to end, uh, you know, the death penalty. Good, um, but anyway, they should he, end he, that right, thing. Right. But I mean, from back then, yeah, for such a long the, time ago, that's radical. Yeah, super radical at that point. And actually, I, I'm guessing that romanticism, which he came out of, uh, which was really like looking at the lives of real people and empathizing with that, probably set the stage for more socialist yeah uh, politics uh but anyway like he talks about war and just like the whim of one man and not even the whim like maybe he's he's very like sincere and passionate about this cause but it's like but it's only one person a hundred thousand people died because of this person's call yeah it's not that right you know it's not that simple but 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 still it's like there are a handful of world players yeah. On the planet today. Yep. And how many deaths are like a direct result of one person of one making decisions? person making decisions. Yeah. I mean, even butterfly Ooh. effect. A lot. Yeah. And then like the indirect. Yeah. You know, like they didn't have quite the access to healthcare they would have otherwise. And what does it mean to be like a leader? Like, what does it take to be? And what does it take to be a good leader? And like, should there be solitary leaders at all, or should it be community-led? See, that's super interesting. Government or... Even the best, most benevolent leader can't make a decision in every single person's interest. Yeah. That's that's sticky. Yeah, that's and, sticky. and so, I mean, even they have... I don't know. I don't want to say blood on their hands, but like there are probably people who die yeah, f- as a result of the very best leaders of good leaders. And and even me, right? Like ho- hopefully no one's died because of me, but people have certainly had broken hearts because of me. Yeah. Or have just been like We've pissed done off. damage to people. Uh, yeah. Uh directly and indirectly. Yeah. And I certainly hope to minimize that, but uh you know, my very best isn't good for some people yeah community leadership community leadership that's a very interesting one but and... there are people who stand out it within community leadership right like there's mm-hmm. always going to be someone who kind of rises to the top as so like... even leaders among a community yeah leadership yeah i think there are much more inclusive ways to do leadership than what we're used to yeah. And it would be cool to reimagine what that looks like. Like the completely flat organization that some people talk about in business. Like there's no 
Uh, no you know, there might be There might be a CEO just like putting all that in place, but at least in theory, what they're touting is, yeah, there's no managers and there's no like everyone's... Everyone just works together on a team. On the same. and But even then, I think people are like self-selecting for yeah. like project managers. Well, it seems like, like it's... But. Some people are naturally better at like executing and others are naturally better at creating a vision or mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. And there are certain leadership skills that can help things run a lot more slu- smoothly and in yeah. the favor of everyone participating. Yeah. Don't turn on recording off. BRB. I love you, Maggie. I'm back. I'm back. I'm oh, back. yay. Hey. Hey, it's me. Uh, hey, yeah, uh, it's me. Uh. Hey, it's a me, a Maggie. Uh. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Maggie. Hey, Nick. What's up? So good to see you. Good to see you. Good in to the, see in you the flesh. in person. In here we are in real life. Yeah. Nobody has COVID. Oh, are you saying somebody did have? COVID? I survived it this time. Wow. Last time you had just survived it. Yeah. Now I have just survived it. Good. You're yeah. a survivor. Yeah. You're not going to give up. I'm not never going to give me up. My There's life. that song too. My, uh, my yeah. body. Do you have any other songs you want to <laughs> sing to us? Don't want to close my eyes. Don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, babe. When I, I have COVID. don't want to have COVID again. <laughs> Anymore. Anymore. Ever again. Wow, that's my singing deb- debut. I loved it. Debois. It was really good. You had good pitch. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I've been enjoying karaoke. Oh, I love karaoke. I was telling somebody, actually, about your four-way. four-way yeah. Four-way? Four way? <laughs> my four-way? Your four-way? Into competitive karaoke. And you were you like in Worlds? No, I went to the state championship. The state championship, and it was the most unorganized event I've ever been to. <laughs> it was really bad in my life. It was something like two hours behind schedule. Yeah, and and hundreds of people hundreds. with no organization. Process. Yeah, and just in the middle of every, everyone came expecting to be able to sing sing two songs. Yeah, and in the middle, they're just like, we just can't let you do a second song. Yeah, we can't we stay do- here until two in yeah. the morning. Yeah, it's just not going to work. So. So they judged based on the first round, and my first right. round was like my warm-up song, and I never right. got to do my big number. Yeah, usually I would think strategically you would want your your good showstopper to be second. Yeah, the unfortunately, or fortunately for me, I mean, I didn't make it on to nationals, but uh, based on my first song, but fortunately for me, someone else's first song was my second song. Did they not screen so... for same songs? No, they didn't do anything. They were terrible, (laughs) but I got a t-shirt. Yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense, though. Like, if there's that many people, like, who gets to sing what's the most famous Uh, Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, Yeah. who gets that one? Yeah. It's hard to say. Probably no one. People who are really dedicated to karaoke know what to sing and what not You know what would have been awesome is if everyone had to sing the exact same song. That would have been a lot more even playing field. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially for... Like if it had happened to be like Johnny Cash or something and yeah. all the all the women in the room or all of those people who had a higher register had to sing Johnny Cash in like 
his register. Or I will do anything for love. That's like eleven minutes long. Oh, meatloaf. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good song. Have you seen that video? Uh, yeah, it's um troubling. Is it? Well, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember it being powerful as powerful as the ballad itself. I mean, I appreciate the um the boundaries that he sets in that song, mm-hmm. right? Like, I won't do that. Right. Yeah. He'll do anything. I'll do except anything for that. except for that. Yeah. It's kind of like the whole song is his safe word. That's healthy. What yeah. do you hate about it? Um, I haven't listened to. I it just in a don't long time like again, watching so him sing. I don't know what's problematic. It, it, these like days no, about I it. well, I don't actually remember him the video being problematic. It might be, I don't remember, but I just don't like watching him sing. Do you know what video was problematic but kind of awesome still? What's that turnaround, bright eyes? Oh, with the um, song, uh, total eclipse of the heart. Total eclipse yeah. of the heart. With and the it's doves a, and the. It's like a middle-aged lady who's singing. Mm-hmm. I forget who the singer is. To a whole bunch of and high school football high players. High school, yeah, and yeah. they're like with their shirts off, and yeah. and it's all smoky and kind of dreamlike, and I think it, this it's is awesome and also cringy. I think that this is a time. good time to tell you that I have a a teacher student fantasy. Oh yeah, yeah, and I always have. Do you want to be the teacher, the student, or loves those? Kind of both. Yeah, either or. I think that's super hot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but like in a non-abusive way. Sure, sure. If I was ever a college professor, yeah, I would be in so much trouble. Yeah. It'd Maybe be not. I would, I would, I'm so also afraid of getting into trouble yes. that I think yeah. that would hold me off. But It'd... especially in my super thirsty days... Yeah, it would have been really, really difficult. If I had really, anyone really hitting on me, ooh, I'm not sure what I would have done. Yeah. So, I think I just wasn't in that situation. There was a show in the... Dawson's er, Creek. Er, yes. <laughs> How did you know I was going to say Dawson's Creek? Yes, Dawson's Creek. And yes, Pacey and his teacher. Oh, was it Pacey? That, well, I never I watched the show, but season. I know who Pacey uh, First is. season, Pacey had an affair with his adult teacher. And... And yes. that's high school, right? Yeah. Like, very yeah. not okay, but, like, it's super hot. Did they portray it <laughs> as very hot and sexy? I, uh, may, maybe not on purpose, but I definitely but took it that way. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. They didn't, they certainly didn't make it a big deal, like, the teacher went to prison or anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I don't think that they tried to make it a bad thing. I think they... They kind of played into the, like, that's every teenage boy's dream come true. That was certainly one of my dreams. Yeah. For sure. And I think a Did big part of that- Did you have any hot that, teachers? There was a kind of an intern or teacher assistant who would come in a lot. I asked her to prom. Sort of jokingly, but also, like, But, like, maybe, legit. maybe. <laughs> and it was interesting because, like, I was so nervous around people I was attracted to. And- for whatever reason, I think she was unattainable enough to where I could just be playful yeah, and like kind of flirt yeah. uh, when I had like zero game otherwise, <laughs> like zero, like I would clam up and like my voice would start. So a little bit of safety net uh, there. Cracking and stuff. Yeah. But then in college, one of the, the TAs in my Greek one class was just smoking and again, because I was so timid yeah. and things, the fantasy was like, I, 
there's no reality where I can make the move here. Yes. Or even, and even if I did, like, what would I do? Yeah. Like, what even I, would the move be? I hadn't I had a girlfriend at that point. Yeah. Like, like, what does it even mean to like go on a date? Yeah. What does How it do mean do to that? go on a what date? What does it mean to go on a date? What does it mean what to go date? on a date? What's a date? <laughs> yeah. And so somebody who, if they're taking charge and being like, here's what I want from you. Here's yes. what we're doing. And actually, my very first girlfriend, sort of, I mean, she was the same age as me, I think one year younger, but she really like kind of took charge and like, here's how I like things. Here's how I like my hair played with. Do it this way. Nice. Uh, here's how I like my pussy licked. Wow. Do it like this. That's and like just very... constant feedback. Not constant, but I mean, uh, she. But regular feedback. Regular feedback. Anytime, yeah. like, and I think she kind of got off on that. She always dated ex-evangelical boys. Mm. I can relate to that a little bit, although I am not very good at giving direction, but I can relate to the, like, there's something kind of fun about dating ex-evangelical boys. Mm. And what is that? Uh, just the idea that, like, I don't I don't have a lot of repressed stuff, and mm. I, I never did, and so it was always kind of fun to be the the person who got to bring someone out of their shell or like bring someone out of their repression. Mm. And all that, that ended up being hard on me at some points. Yeah. You spoke about that. I think a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, People liked you because you were so carefree and sexy stuff. Yeah. Um, Do you like to see people like sexually nervous? about around hmm. you and maybe the, is that maybe, a particular maybe, kink that... maybe nervous isn't the right word but like Squee- squirming uh, there, there's something empowering and maybe this is unhealthy i don't know but like uh you know when i'm you know questioning my value towards other people romantically yeah. and then seeing someone just like kind of melting or just like uh like what do i do here and like yeah. i'm uh there is something of a dom sub angle to it. Like I have my shit together and I know yeah. what I want out of this and like how to lead the situation. Yeah. And it's very cute and adorable when somebody I'm into is like a little is, bit awkward. Is a about little it. bit awkward about it. Yeah, That's, exactly. I can see that being very cute and very empowering. Mm-hmm. Like make you feel empowered and make you feel like oh I have some control in this situation. Like. I can mm-hmm. I can kind of teach yeah and and have my desires met in the way that I want like I can kind of control the narrative I feel like that would be very pleasant mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and empowering and on the flip side of that my favorite sex scenes whether that's in literature or movies or anything else are are not the like high fantasy. I want to be, you know, in awesome Victorian outfits yeah, right. <laughs> in a tower with like royalty. Yeah, like that's so far removed from anything real to me. Yeah, uh, it's it's the super mundane and the the tension. Get, what's an example? Like, and what's a movie one, that one example that has one like is. That? Uh, Miyazaki is that the author? I always yeah. get Murakami yeah, yeah. and Miyazaki. Miyazaki is the is the animator who did like my okay. neighbor Toto. Okay, so Murakami, Murakami is uh, Kafka on the Shore. Yes, is one of his books, 
and it's like this kid who like just meets i mean like a high schooler or something uh just meets a girl his own age on the bus and uh she's like way cooler than him and she lives i think like does she live in the library i don't remember there's a library involved (laughs) Uh, but basically like he has nowhere to stay because he ran away or something and so she's like okay you can sleep on my floor and you know she's just like chatting things up like no care in the world and she's like yeah and i have a boyfriend so like whatever and then she's she's knowledgeable oh yeah she's She's like knowledgeable knowledgeable. and uh she's like you know what you're like just sleep in my bed it's fine but like i have a boyfriend so nothing can happen already and and like see that's (laughs) that tension and that like oh oh my god like what am i gonna do like what is this situation leading somewhere what is this what's happening yeah i feel a little bit out of control like that's that's super hot to yeah. me. And so also I the, like being on that flip side. Yeah, being the in yeah. the position of that girl in that mm-hmm. situation, being like, I know that this is creating some like yeah. awkward tension here. And then eventually she's like, uh, let me just give you a hand job because I know you won't be able to sleep otherwise. Oh, nice. That's yeah. so friendly. Yeah, but also it's, very it's controlled. A, a friendly hand job. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm just like, oh, that's so freaking hot. I'm so <laughs> into it. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, fantasies. Yeah. Uh, you know, continuing on this line, the uh, <laughs> uh, horror movies, which I don't go out of my way for, yes. but uh, when things get too fantastical, yeah. I I disengage and it becomes less scary, even if it's way yes. more extreme stuff. Yeah. Like Stranger Things, awesome show. Uh on the first season especially when things were super creepy and you didn't quite know what was going on yeah. it still could be Extra like scary like the real world yeah super scary and then when it's like this is nothing that's happening on our yep. world i feel the same way about science like, fiction okay, movies where i don't i don't engage with them as intensely unless i can imagine that the science is like could be vaguely accurate Mm-hmm. Right, like I really, I really enjoyed the movie The Martian, yeah, because it was like, okay, I could see potatoes growing on Mars, and I could see someone being stuck there. And uh, anyway, it seemed like the science was believable enough that it made it, reach. it, it made the movie entertaining, mm-hmm. right? Like to watch. The technology movie. wasn't magic. Yeah, and it wasn't. There weren't like goofy pink bubble aliens coming down to be like. <laughs> This is what Mars is like. <laughs> so I could believe it. I hope and I liked it. Pink bubble aliens on Mars. I also really liked Interstellar, uh, which was Matthew McConaughey, although that Except, one went into some weird. Uh, un- at the un-reality. end, when they start explaining, like, love is a quantum field. Yeah. And it is, you know, yeah. the glue that holds. You know, gravity a little preachy. and physics to get. I'm just like, um, does it have to? Do we have to? Come on. Like, <laughs> I love when science fiction gets into philosophy. Yeah, it's my favorite. I eat that up. But like, this is just really good. Well, it was a stretch. Like, I mean, it, was it would be. Che- it cheesy. sure would be nice. Yeah. if that were the case. Yeah, and just love. You know, what's but the background noise to everything we do. But like that could have been said without saying it. Right. Like it could have right. like you could have just done the movie and then had people come to that conclusion on their own instead of saying it with 
words. Yeah. Uh, I've heard more than one author say, like, first rule of writing is show me, don't tell me. Yes. So. I'm yeah. not a. I'm not a very good writer. Tell about it. Don't just tell them. Don't don't say. Uh, he was an angry man. Like, give a situation where he blew up. Yeah. And. Yeah. Are you an angry man? No, I don't think so. Not these days. You know, and I think, I think in the past I have been a lot angrier, but it was all kept in. Yeah. It would never, like, I would never yell. Uh, my fight, flight, or freeze is freeze. Yeah. And so it would never express itself in a way that was at all aggressive. But on the inside... I would be raging. Yeah. And, you know, just spinning out of, you know, how I could have done things differently. Do you connect any of that to religion? Like, were you angrier when you were a Christian, do you think? Yes, but I was also less mature. Mm -hmm. And so I, sure, it had an effect, but I don't think it was. You just had less regulation. It's not correlated, Hmm. really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're not angry, I don't think. When's the last time you yelled at somebody? Oof. I yell at my kids sometimes. Oh. It's... Uh, yeah, when I'm teaching in a classroom, that could be... I feel like I'm not an angry person. I feel like I am an impatient person, though. Mm-hmm. And when impatience gets pushed to a limit... I'm also a highly sensitive person, which is a thing in yeah. HSP, and... For people who are HSP, it's kind of like the volume. What's HSP? Highly sensitive person. Is that a diagnosis or is that... Not a just... technical diagnosis, but my my licensed therapist has claimed that it is a thing. Are you water signs at all? Yeah, I'm an Aquarius. That's not a water sign. Oh. Well, it's got water symbol. You're it's right. It's an air sign, isn't it? I think it's... Yeah. I don't know. I believe so. I'm definitely an Aquarius... Yeah. <laughs> no. You should check your moon sign and your rising. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's let's compare our charts. Okay. But not, I'm highly sensitive. Second. Okay. And yeah, for you're those, highly sensitive. For those people, sometimes they're really good empaths and can mm-hmm. and can, you know, experience others' emotions with them. Um, for me, it, it's predominantly like the volume is just turned up on every sense. So like, I'm really sensitive to light. You will. Nick might notice that the lighting in the room that we're in is very dim and cozy instead of bright overhead lights because... That's just nicer, though. Well, for some people, they like, like, full visibility, full brightness. Like, I want to see everything clearly. Mm. I try and create, like, the coziest, most comfortable environments for myself. So... um, But also sound. Like, I'm hypersensitive to, you know, when a... uh, city bus is like screeching to a stop and there's that really high-pitched hiss of the brakes it's like it's grating yeah it's like my blood boils when i hear do you get mad or do you yeah like Like, scared no not definitely fear is not that it's like do you get hungry it's like painful i would say (laughs) i get i get hurt like by right that or bright light too bright of lights too loud of sounds um strong sense i have changed my sweater twice today because mm. 
I did a load of laundry Is and that I why used you hated too much. The perfume I gave you. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I love it. You said it was the worst, and here I did not. <laughs> what are you talking? Did you get it back though? No. I okay. I thought you did. I did not, and okay. I took another one from Mike, and he wears his oh. that uh, that you gave him for I her, a birthday present. Remember, misremembered that situation. It's I fine. apologize to you. I um I am very sensitive to smell though, and so it mm-hmm. has to be a certain type of smell. Yeah, but I I had uh, a laundry detergent that was too strong, or a a fabric softener that was too strong, and so I've been swapping out my sweaters for dirty ones all day that don't smell like flowers i'm dirty you should just spray yourself down with febreze to neutralize everything oh bathe in it i was gonna say about being highly sensitive that that makes me angry Mm. i think being super sensitive yeah usually is because it's really hard to differentiate between when i'm being like overly sensitive to the world around me where other people in the same situation would not respond in that way. Um, or if I am actually experiencing someone being like really insensitive. So mm-hmm. uh, normal people, when they eat a bag of chips, open the bag with their hands and it makes like a rattling sound. And then they reach mm. their hand in and then they put the chip in their mouth and they chomp. For me, that's like the most unpleasant sensation is being next to someone who's doing that. Mm, Um, But they're just eating a bag of chips like a normal human being. And for a really long time until I was given this condition as an option, I thought people were just assholes all the time. Like, how, how are you so insensitive that you just like, you don't even realize how much noise you're making or like Mm -hmm. how, hard it is to hear over you or whatever or like why are you wearing so much perfume but it it didn't register to me that i was the odd one out mm-hmm. in the world um and, and they can still be assholes yes but it it's really it, it's become easier for me to differentiate between someone who's just being an asshole and someone who's just living their life and i'm being hypersensitive yeah not I'm being like I have a choice, but like I am hypersensitive. So do you think I you can have choose... no choice about it? Yeah, I don't think I have a choice in it. I think I have a choice in the way I respond, and so I'm less angry right. you have a than I was. And you have a before. choice of how you frame it too. Yes. I think um, something I've been learning in meditation is like the world is full of distractions. Some people meditate just for calmness. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about that a little bit on the last episode. With, with Dwayne. Dwayne, mm-hmm. yes. And and just to like, you know, meditate to chill out. Yeah. And most of the meditation apps seem to be geared towards that. But there's also the, the, consciousness. Know, the Buddhist approach. Yes, yeah. that is way more consciousness focused. And so the people who just want to chill out, like they want to have an absolutely quiet room and if anyone makes any noise, they're just like, oh, my my meditation is ruined. Yeah. And I, I'm not able to get in the, the deep trance that yeah. I'm chasing. And this kind of consciousness meditation 
it's it's not about going into into a trance at all and actually the distraction like that's the practice yeah is it more like about observing all of the things instead it's of observing it and canceling out things. embracing it yeah. and it's it's when you get distracted because you will mm-hmm. there's no question like not because even the best meditation there are wouldn't. sounds and and feelings yeah, and whatever how how gracefully can you get back hmm. to center and what's your when what does your center look like because i know yeah. some, for some people it's a breath right like finding a particular breath mm-hmm. is a center or i know a lot of people who practice centering prayer in mm-hmm. the christian tradition like which is a meditative practice and so they have like a phrase that they say and they they will come back to that when they when they get distracted and and follow the distraction, mm-hmm. they'll come back to a or phrase. spin out from the distraction, yeah. whatever. Yeah, mine is. I guess at different times, there's things that resonate with me, uh, and right now, what's been resonating for a while is like unclenching the fist in your mind. Mm. And do you visualize that? Mm, or it, I mean, do you embody it? Like, can you feel it? I visualize it a little bit but i i also don't want to like cling to the visual mm-hmm. of it yeah like i want to even let go of the visual like how much can i just let go yeah. and it both physically and emotionally and with my expectations and everything and there is a presence and a freedom and a a lightness that can come from everything out like everything my mind's just preoccupied with just like dissolving you know and that does sound awesome but it's also it can be a little scary because those things are sometimes my baseline and can be grounding yeah they're like they're reference points that i'm very familiar with and so saying, like, I'm letting go of those refer- reference points in yeah. search of some, like, higher consciousness. Yeah. And even, like, let go of the groundedness to yeah. some extent. Yeah. And so some people, and it's actually happened to me, like, going deep with meditation, you can get a little, ooh, like, where am like, really disoriented. Yeah. And there can be some discord in one's psyche and... That's not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, there are times where it's like, you know what, actually, I need to back off on this letting go of everything and letting things dissolve. And I need to come back a little bit, even let myself get distracted and let myself go back to some of those old habits because it's like, I'm not quite ready for this. And let's we can like dip our toes in the water. And what do you think it would look like to not go back to it if you didn't have that? Have you had that experience where you you're starting to feel some discord and you don't, your brain is like, go back to the grounding things. Have you ever said like, nope, I'm going to keep going. Like, Certainly. And it's reminding when, when, me when, of uh, Frozen 2, the, it, the Disney movie. <laughs> I, when I was first getting, going into the void, I don't know what you want to call it. I didn't even think about going back as an option. Okay. It was just like, oh, is this my new state of being? Yeah. Is it even a, like it wasn't 100% clear that it was part of a meditation practice. Yeah. Was that, like maybe my diet's weird. And 
honestly, like I might have spoke about before, I get like brain fog or like kind of in a daze mm-hmm. a lot of times in over the last five like disassociative yeah sort of disassociative i'm starting to think a lot of that has to do with diet maybe and some of i actually finally um i finally went to the doctor uh, amanda kind of pushed me she's like you've been dealing with this for a long time mm-hmm. and i know it's like subtle but you have health insurance yeah like you might as well did, check this out and did so i like doctor did. say anything about it, it it was wild that making those first phone calls i was terrified yeah. like i was nearly panicking and i don't know why like i never thought of this being a super scary thing but it's almost somewhere in the back of my mind i was discounting this as being legitimate hmm. or yeah yeah and discounting your disassociation yeah i was like yeah everyone has brain fog like that's just yeah. a normal thing and you know, I don't want to be the hypochondriac that's just like, something's wrong with me. So Fix me. And- part of you was like pushing it back as like, this is normal. This is normal. And so when you made the doctor's phone calls, you were like, I'm admitting that this might not be normal. And that was scary. And well, I thought I might have to explain myself right. and try to convince them that this is a thing that's yeah. happening. And. And it's hard because it's also like a subtle thing. It's not like my appendix bursting that's right. obvious that like there's a problem. Yeah. It's just this sort of background low level. Like I can still function yeah. for the most part. It just makes things more unpleasant. And Were you also, I'm just curious, mm-hmm. were you concerned at all that drug use had an impact on that or added or aided in that being an issue? And how to talk to your doctor about that. That wasn't really a concern. I, I think I partake so irregularly. Yeah. Like on a eventful month, I might do something twice in the right. month. And most of the time, it's like once every two or three months. So I you, weren't, know, you so. weren't super worried that those things were directly connected and yeah yeah. impacting okay and i didn't see any like sharp jump after on those days okay that and it was happening before before what the dissociative stuff was happening before you really started like going hard on drugs (laughs) being a hardcore drug user yeah no i mean before you were doing like you know twice a month maybe Mm, i don't know no maybe not maybe around the same time i don't know but anyway, I did yeah. tell my doctor that I use K, and it's pretty awesome. She's like, "That's pretty harmless." But, <laughs> but then, and then she went into this like, uh, you know, she had to like. What is your doctor's I, name? I, I need, Let's give I need her a phone call. She's like, if if it ever feels like it's becoming a problem or right. anything, like, come talk to me. Okay. Uh, and I was like. You were responding to this in a very awesome way. That's good. Well, and also that probably made you feel more safe to be like, it's okay for me to talk to you about what's yeah. actually going on. That's because... the first time I ever have told a doctor I do anything unbecoming. Yeah. Of a, you know. Have you lied in the past sense. when they've been like, do you do any recreational drugs? Oh, yeah. I just say no. You say no. Yeah. Okay. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I feel like, and I'm proud of your doctor. I'm proud that like, she was willing to give you holistic care instead mm-hmm. of being like, well, that's the problem we need to fix and not, not. Yeah. She's actually your, your not whole story. an MD. There's some other 
designation, a D O. I don't know what the letters are, but there's some other thing that a lot of medical students are taking oh. as their title, and it is more holistic. Interesting okay. approach, and I'd never heard of it, and I just looked it up because she had these weird letters after a name that I'd never seen before. Cool. Anyway, back to what were we talking about? Groundedness, being well, grounded. Well, and and disassociated disassociated and mm-hmm. but we were talking about meditation and i'm yeah. i feel like that's something that a couple of listeners have kind of asked more questions about and mm-hmm. we could dive into that a little bit more yeah yeah we didn't officially choose a topic we've just been yeah we've just been shooting this free shit. balling <laughs> free bo- free balling and yeah. free booming it <laughs> raw dog in this conversation <laughs> raw dog in the conversation <laughs> Bareback. It's whatever. <laughs> College co-ed. <laughs> we started with the condom on. We this, took the yeah. condom off. <laughs> threw it in the garbage. <laughs> That's right. That's how we brawl on the on switcheroo. On switcheroo. No outline. <laughs> Raw dog conversation. Gross. <laughs> Gross and hot. Yeah, so hot. Um, Meditation. It, anyway, yeah, uh, that that is, I would say, in my mind, like the one and only risk of meditation is the possibility of things feeling ungrounded. Right. And I could see somebody maybe panicking after a while like if there's several days of it feeling like you're just like floating mm-hmm. through without any like reference point i haven't been able to yeah. i've never been able to get to the positive outcomes of meditation mm-hmm. despite many many long-term attempts yeah i've never been able to get to the positive benefits of meditation because i have that anxiety from the outset like mm-hmm. i start anxious and it's mm. really hard for me to let go it's really hard for me to unclench the fist yeah. As you described. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that when you pray, and I know those are adjacent but yeah. different practices. Similar brain function, mm-hmm. scientifically. Yeah. Um, I don't do a lot of praying either. Like, mm-hmm. I, I pray when I need to. I'm very good at praying out loud. I feel like I'm better at praying out loud and in in a group than I am. And doing worship, you're praying in front of a crowd of people. Right. I am good at corporate prayer. I am not as good at, and I I mean good, like comfortable. I am comfortable there. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I can say and pray what I want and what I am hoping to communicate, but I really struggle doing it on my own. And so when you use the word struggle, does that, mean you feel like you should be doing it more no i think i just i have adopted and whether or not the religious tradition that i am vaguely adjacent to would view this as heretical i feel like my whole life is a communication with the divine so i don't beautiful i don't really feel like it's necessary for me to be like dear lord i have a question and a ask for you like it seems really strange to me and awkward to mm-hmm. put into actual English words what I feel like my heart is just saying on its own. Like I don't really need need to put That's it into words. A very insightful take. 
Sometimes if I need to put it into words, I'm like, you get it. That's what I say. Mm -hmm. Like, you get it. I don't need I don't need to say this out loud. That that kid who's in the hospital, you know what I am hoping for him. Right. Like, yeah. And I don't need to say those words out loud, but I find it really powerful to say the words out loud in community and and like feel responses from people who are like, oh, I didn't think about that thing that you just mentioned. And now now that's like a part of the collective consciousness. So I think that's part of why meditation has been hard for me is that it doesn't feel like a collective practice. It feels like a very individual practice. And Mm -hmm. I'm just not as good at individual Sorry, I keep using the word good as if there's like a right or a wrong way to do it. But mm-hmm. I really just feel like I, I don't get as much out of individual practices as I do out of collective practices where we can all share an experience. Yeah. And that's... Is there group meditation right. where you Certainly, can like yeah. all go to a, a certain place? I mean, I uh, yoga classes have... I've had some good experiences with yoga classes mm-hmm. where I'd say shavasana like, at the end of most yoga practices is meditative. Yeah. And there is a Tibetan Buddhist center in Wallingford, which is a neighborhood in Seattle. Yeah. And you know, they have I think kind of Sunday services where you just go involve, and well it involves meditate. meditation and then some like chanting and I think there's something of a sermon. I'm into it. Yeah, it's good. They have walking meditation, so everyone kind of walks the perimeter of the room. Did you know that I practice Buddhism? Have we talked about this? For, you have mentioned for it. like a year and a half, maybe two years, and there was collective chanting. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I ever participated in like a collective meditation, but but the chanting part was very corporate, and it was really lovely. Mm-hmm. It might be worth distinguishing there could be different purposes for these Hmm. practices and even on an individual basis like a sitting meditation what i'm after might be different from what you're after right and i would guess a collective prayer might be you're going after a slightly different thing than a individual prayer and well you just introduced i mean until today I didn't really distinguish between actually, I mean, when we talked to Dwayne, that was the first time when I kind of distinguished that there was a difference between calming meditation or meditation for relaxation and consciousness exploration. Mm-hmm. And so that's, are there other reasons? I mean, oh, I'm yeah. sure there are other reasons, I but I don't know any, any of them. Any number of re- you could meditate or pray to be more, influential and powerful because you are you're developing yourself like there's a lot of people in the tech world who are meditating every day so that they will be more on their game and more productive at work interesting so like like ambition meditation yeah yeah like I, i want to grow personally so that i can perform better so that i can gain status and wealth cool okay or influence yeah or Whatever it is, I can. And mental acuity is another reason, right? In the Mm -hmm. same thread, like clearer, sharper mind. Mm -hmm. I can do it because people like us, this is what we do. So kind of a tribal mentality. And I mean, I think it can also be a combination 
Do you feel like you yeah. you do that a little bit? Like people, the people like us, tribal mentality. Do you feel like you have a for group? meditation? Yeah. Mm, no, there's. I would say a lot of my life has been dedicated to personal development, mm-hmm. personal growth. Not necessarily in a. Prof- I mean, for a long time it was also professional. Yeah. But it's just like I want to kind of reach my potential. Yeah. And I want to be the best I can be. And there's a little bit of I want to be better than everyone else out there. Yeah. I think you're succeeding. Just so you know. <laughs> I've known you for a long time and I think you're really succeeding. At a lot of that. You're Don't better than that. most people I know. <laughs> <laughs> like you're really crushing life. But sometimes I'm like uh, it's a shame I got a vasectomy because, like, if I put a baby in the world, it would be dope. It would be the dopest. Not only baby. would it be super baby, like, yeah, have like pretty fairly strong genes, I think. Yes, but I think I could raise it pretty well. Yeah, but like none of that really interests. You'd me. be a kick-ass parent. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm a good teacher, and yeah. I have lots of patience, and I I think I understand how to get along with kids. I think. It's reasonable to... Please spend more time with my predict. kids. <laughs> I want my kids to be superheroes. <laughs> like, like you. Um, but, you know, the these days, that ambition has waned. Hmm. And I don't... And, and I, I think for the most part, that's a good thing. I would yeah. get bent out of shape when the progress was not linear or when there would be a setback. Yeah. Or if somebody else was making progress that I wasn't, uh, that was very threatening. I don't know. Actually, a lot of it has been for mental health um, in you know recent times. Like, yeah, there's still a lot of anxiety that I n- need to figure out. And it has helped a ton. I, I'm sure you are familiar with this. Our listeners might na- not be super familiar with it, but there was a book, an evangelical book that was published probably 20 years ago, maybe longer called A Purpose Driven Life. Oh, yeah. I'm curious, just listening to you talk, do you feel like there is, and I'm asking this because I am having, I have been going through a little bit of an existential questioning phase in my life Mm -hmm. about like, what what am I even doing? Do you feel like you have a purpose in your life? And you don't have to have one, obviously, but like, I'm curious, or if you have a goal or like, is your goal satisfaction or happiness or health or i'm curious if you have something like that the i don't know eastern thinker adi ashanti uh has a line in a book called uh the most important thing and Mm -hmm. well his his line is the most important thing is to figure out the most important thing oh so that's you do you feel like that's you and part of that is me i think understanding the mysteries of consciousness, much like kind of Dwayne's journey mm-hmm. that we we went through. If you haven't listened to Dwayne's episode, it's worth listening. Go check it's it out. Really We've interesting. Him several times already. Yeah. You know, I actually like in my journal on a daily basis. I'm like, kind of, like, what's what is my mo mm-hmm. these days? And so it's something that's on the top of my mind, and it's often very vague. But also with you know the Zen approach eventually this might not be what you want to dive into right away but like you would be kind of letting go of the need for purpose Hmm. 
And so me wanting to be my best self, I want, I always want to like jump to the last final stage. Yeah. And often I get ahead of myself and I need to remind myself, you know, you can ease into it and maybe this is a good thing for now to have figured out. Okay. So earlier today I was coincidentally looking up a book I had read recently called The Power of Meaning. And she says there's four main attributes in meaning. And she had looked at the works and interviewed like George Eliot, Viktor Frankl, Aristotle, the Buddha. Um, So like just lots, like lots and lots of people and kind of like looking at where the similarities are and what these people are recommending or, you know, where they are saying meaning lies. And so the four thing, the four kind of common things that always end up showing up are belonging. Hmm. Uh, You know, you have to have a tribe where you feel understood purpose. So some far reaching goal. Mm hmm storytelling and so that has to do with kind of a a narrative to make sense of your life and of bad things that happen in chaos yeah you know which like, seems like a lot of that could be religion like religion oh, yeah, could be 100%. the storytelling piece mm-hmm. yeah uh, just some way to to feel like there's some coherence to the world and then transcendence so hmm. tapping in to, or at least gazing upon something beyond Outside the mundane yeah. every day. I yeah. Love- were you asking specifically about purpose or just meaning in general? Well, that was beautiful, first of all. And I want to have big posters with kittens hanging off of clotheslines that say all four of those things. So yeah. I could be reminded. My uh, existential thoughts lately have been really circling around mortality and really it's like the the thought of if i'm at the end of life whenever mm-hmm. that is which could be tomorrow it could be in 10 minutes it could be in 35 years or whatever that at the end of that will i be happy with what i've left or what i have accomplished or satisfied or what and is it important that I feel satisfied or happy with that? that? So those are the questions I've been asking, but it feels like somewhere in my subconscious, I've been telling myself it doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. There's something different that matters. And I feel like you just answered that question for me <laughs> with mm-hmm. those four things. Like, and, But that's a good way to consider whether what you're doing is important. Yeah. Or if you're moving towards a life you'll be proud of and satisfied with really it kind of comes down to the fact that i have had just crippling anxiety for the last almost 20 years mm-hmm. and crippling in that like it prevents me from doing things that i would like and want to do mm-hmm. and and thinking about reflecting back on this time of my life when i am near the end of my life and saying like you should have just pushed through that stuff or figured out a way to cope with it so that you could have lived more fully. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like I don't enjoy a lot of parts of my life because of anxiety, mm-hmm. but maybe I don't, I think that I've been attaching too much meaning to like things that I've done or accomplished or, or like 
being a good mom or a good wife and not not really like understanding what that actually means or mm-hmm. what I could do to get uh, get there or accomplish something along those lines and so I like the idea of yeah. finding you know I like transcendence like finding something outside of myself to observe and be awe-inspired by mm-hmm. you know let's name some things that that could be for you Ooh, i mean just like i mean it could be prayer or meditation yes it, i mean music i would yes. say is something for both of us um whether that's going to concerts and you know really feeling it in your soul or making music yes or both ways to tap into that or being in the natural world and really like breathing air and being aware that i'm breathing air and that that's like a cool ass biological thing that i can do it's crazy what our bodies are capable of speaking of that like you can be in the worst environment and you might be able to tap into the transcendent yes just by noticing how wild all of this is that we're participating in there's a um a formerly christian band called gungor that is fronted by michael and lisa gungor uh and they have a song called that's based on a line from a Mary Oliver poem called One Wild Life. Mm-hmm. And the lyrics go, Brave the rise and fall. I want to feel it all. I want to yeah. feel it all. And the, yeah, there's pain, but sometimes the pain is really beautiful because you realize that you're experiencing it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for a while, my MO was it's cultivating wonder. Yeah. And we've talked about that. I remember that. So even when things were uncomfortable or difficult, there are, on my good days, I would look at that and be like, okay, where's the wonder mm-hmm. in this? What is just wildly awesome? Yeah. Not necessarily like pleasant. Yeah. But what's incredible about that? What can I be in awe of right here? It's one thing that everybody on the planet shares is that we're all having a human experience, the human experience, yeah. and it's different for everybody. And we can't but... not have the human experience. Yeah. <laughs> I can't not be a human as far as I know. Yeah. Like there's yeah. lots of different ways to be a human, but I can't stop being a human. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that even when you feel like you are not thriving or living life to the fullest, you are having the human experience to the fullest. Yeah. And there's something to embrace about that and maybe to be proud of. But it's really good to be reminded that I can find transcendence even in the like not living to the fullest because Mm -hmm. I can say like, I'm having the human experience, which is fucking wild. That's crazy. Yeah. And I think just having that awareness to step outside of like, you can still be in the discomfort or the Mm -hmm. pain or the suffering or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you can also at the same time be observing it from outside that pain. Yeah. And that kind of changes everything. It's like alchemy. Yeah. It's, yeah, it it doesn't, you're not drowning in it quite the same way. You at least have perspective. And and maybe it's part of the storytelling too. You're, You're able to sort of make sense of this is something all humans have made. Whatever narrative to yeah. connect the dots of of crisis yeah. or of, yeah, the human condition. Or of sadness or... Yeah. I think that's been one of my biggest struggles, though, is that with anxiety, and I think this is a 
this is the key reason why I have not experimented with hallucinogenics or psychedelics is because with anxiety, I go into a headspace where I can't step outside of it. Mm-hmm. Like I am deep down in it and it is, it like takes over. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different part of my brain that, that like it's the, the flight part of fight, flight or freeze. Right. Yeah. Where I have the only thing that I can think of is I'm being physically chased by a, a predator and my body is responding as if I'm being chased by a predator. So it shuts off all cognitive function beyond adrenaline, heart race. Cortisol. Yeah, cortisol. Like run, 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 run away. And if I, I feel like if I could master that or control it in some way to be able to say like, I'm experiencing this, I'm going to step outside of it, observe it, I would be able to have more opportunities for wonder but it's really powerful mm-hmm. that anxiety is a really powerful yeah, it is. influence the zen approach would be to celebrate these times mm-hmm. and uh, ram das has a book about the end of his life and mm-hmm. examining it and uh, he's talking about you know being old all your friends are dying and going through a similar thing and one of his friends called him up and it's like, I have good news. I have terminal cancer <laughs> and complete yeah. sin- sin- complete totally sincerity. Sincere. Yeah. And it's like, I get to experience this final mystery hmm. and you know, not that it's going to feel good, right. not that it's going to be sad for me and the people I care about, but you're on a singular, unique journey yeah so i don't know that sounds pretty advanced to be like when you're having a panic attack be like fuck yeah yeah let's do this like well i can as soon as it's over i feel like i am at least i've i've matured in my ability to to rejoice in it after it's over to be Mm -hmm. like that's living man (laughs) like that's i am on a wild ride and my body just went through some crazy shit and that's the human experience. But in the moment, I I have not been able to master that. Yet. And it's a valuable but, reaction, right? Like if we didn't have that, we would walk in, into traffic. Yeah. Yes. And among other things. <laughs> yeah. I'm very glad that I have the instinct to be afraid when I'm afraid and not mm-hmm. to turn it off. Sometimes I like I watch videos. I've seen videos of people who are rock climbing and they're on the side of a cliff and they pitch a tent. I forget what the portal ledge. Yeah. Portal ledge. They build a portal ledge and they sleep on the side of a cliff side. And I think if only I could turn off whatever part of my brain they have uh, the survival instinct. mastered. <laughs> yeah. Like whatever that is, like those people are either missing it or they've mastered it. Right. Like they've, yeah. they've been able to, say like I can do this and that's so impressive what and I I worry that I'm missing out on parts of the human experience because I'm not able to conquer survival instinct in certain circumstances it's really interesting to me that you're using the words master and conquer for these parts of yourself and I think because I feel like they are mastering me and conquering me right now. Yeah. And that I I don't have control over them. And sure. I I want to 
be able to use my human brain it, it, to it, defeat yeah, a it physical feels very body. Confrontational and aggressive. Which it feels like a betrayal yeah. every time it happens. Every mm-hmm. time I have a panic attack, it feels like a major betrayal of my physical body. Yeah. To my spiritual or mental body. Mm-hmm. Emotional body? Spiritual body. Yes. All of the above. All of those physical things. Body. Yeah. All of them. Do you think that sort of aggressive approach is working no (laughs) no not at all that's why like i do you hear me like trying to be nice (laughs) no it's terrible no it's it has not worked i keep talking about i'm not going to use the nation of origin that used to be attached to it but it's like a finger trap the game yeah right i think i've used this analogy Mm -hmm. before that the harder you pull on it, the more trapped you get in it. Mm-hmm. And so the harder I fight against this condition of near constant anxiety, the worse it gets. But I I also have anxiety about like letting go of it. So yeah, it feels a little bit like a trap. Yeah. Is it, are you afraid to let go because letting go, you'd be facing the unknown? A little bit. Or is it kind of like, it has become like a constant companion for me. Yeah. So it's a little bit like letting go of, oh, I was going to say something about The known enemy kids. is better than the unknown. Yeah. Yeah, kids. No, I was going to say something totally unrelated. <laughs> oh, I yeah. mean, very related, but. What, one of my biggest points of growth in the last couple of years has been from internal family systems, which it looks at. Is like, that like attachment stuff? Hmm. Not really. Okay. It's kind of like part of me wants this and another part of me wants a completely different thing. And so it's identifying sort of like the sub-personalities within you. And kind of like each motivation can be thought of as its own personality hmm. in a way. You know, there's there's the part of me that wants to save money no matter what and is has a, a narrative of there's not going to be enough. Right. Tomorrow. And there's not even enough right now, like super scarcity. And, you know, there's another part of me that wants to play with nice toys, you know, and buy (laughs) music gear and just has no regard for the cost. Yeah. And and those two things are often battling against each other. Yeah. And we might have any number of these parts within us. Um, I've personally, like, written down a list. I think I've identified maybe 30 or so of these and some of them collaborate with each other to get shit done like maybe the the scholar within me that likes learning new things and the entrepreneur who wants to like make my own way and start a project from scratch they can work together very nicely right and part of you know this type of therapy is coming to terms with these parts and it's it's like they call it internal family system because there's a family within yourself inside and you can't just boot somebody out yeah and they all arose because there was a reason to it was it was you trying to figure out something in the world i mean it could have been a traumatic experience it could have been something that worked incredibly well in your life that you you know had just tried a new thing and it become 
It got reinforced. Yeah. And that's how you approach this situation every time in the future. Does sound a little bit like storytelling, right? Like if we're going back to the four oh, yeah. pillars, like that's this, it's like, let's understand why I'm telling myself this story. That's interesting. Yeah. A lot of these philo philosophical and psychological approaches are creating. I mean, they might call it a framework mm -hmm. or something, but it's absolutely a story, yeah. a, a way to make sense of these different things. And just like your family might go to therapy to work things out and build trust with one another, you know, you would be doing this with the parts within you. If every time a certain part in you showed up, you punched it in the face, <laughs> like... Yeah. I mean, and in an actual family, if you had, I'm going to say a son because you don't have a son. Right. If you had a son who was a complete terror to you and you, yeah, punched him in the face every time he came by. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not going to get along with each other right. as long as you're doing that. Yeah. And so finding a way to build the trust. And so for a while, I was actually like... I would do check-ins every day with like, okay, part of my journaling was like, what was the best part of the day? What was the hardest part of the day? What part was most engaged yeah. in that difficult part of the day? And then I would like have kind of an internal conversation about like, with hey. With that family member? Yeah, yeah, with that internal, internal family, family member and being like, you know, thanks, thanks for being there. Even if I had a hard time meeting it, yeah. um, I understand that you're... You're trying to look out for me. Yeah. Even if it's being counterproductive, you're trying so hard to look out for me. And I don't know, what what do you need right now? How can I help? And I mean, it's just kind of like, and depersonalizing it, almost like pretending like it's someone outside of me yeah. was just a game changer. Like I know how to be nice to other people. Yeah. I don't always know how to be nice to myself. But and, when you can and compartmentalize so, the parts yeah. of yourself and When I can treat separate. it like someone... As, as its own entity. Yeah. It's like, I, I know what to do. Yeah. Here. I was remembering what I was going to say about my kids. And it's related. Yeah. That you were asking me, like, why I have the instinct to, like, fight against mm -hmm. or, or dominate or master or, what did I say? Crush. <laughs> Destroy. Yeah. Conquer. Conquer. And I, I've run into this thing a couple times with having children where I will... I actually, I started observing this when I had nieces and nephews for the first time, where I love them so, so much, but I have found that there aren't a lot of physical ways to show affection or love in the same power level as violence. So like you can hug someone, but the amount that I want to hug my kids is like, I want to bite their cheeks off. Like I want to to like, like squeeze them until they explode because that's how much I physically feel. Like I want to love them violently, but not in the not using the word violence, right? Like right. I, I just want there to be an expression of positive power that's equivalent to violence. Yeah, like physical violence, mm -hmm. but in in a positive way. And I feel like gentleness is not the opposite of violence or like the the mirror image of mm -hmm. violence like gentleness is sometimes not not what you want to show or and so i would love to be able to to positive conquer anxiety yeah. or like have that 
And it sounds to me like when you're talking about communicating with your family systems person, whoever is approaching a problem Mm -hmm. on a certain day or whatever, that you are approaching them with kindness and gratitude. I just wish that there was a more like a higher energy way to do that under certain circumstances, like in certain situations where like more energy is required than kind of passivity or like letting, letting a different part control or, or manage a situation. Like I wish that I could conquer in a good way. Yeah. (laughs) In a nonviolent way. That's worth thinking about. That's awesome. I like that. And, uh, I just watched everything everywhere all at once. Oh yeah, Oof. I got to I'm very movies. excited about it. And oh, you haven't seen it? No, haven't okay. seen it yet. I, I'm pretty sure this doesn't spoil anything. Okay. And if your I've seen listeners the are worried about it, you know, jump ahead thirty seconds. One of the characters is kind of a pushover, mm. and there's a lot of like battles and stuff going on, and he gets confronted like, "Why don't you fight?" And you're like just do this and he's just always nice to everyone yeah. and he's like i'm i'm a warrior too being nice is how i fight oh. and i was just like Oof. yeah it's like that's me yeah i feel that and it reframed it in a way where it's like yeah it's not necessarily passive yeah like it can be brutal and really powerful and, and powerful yeah and you know sometimes he gets stepped on and doesn't know how to confront issues without being too trite like love is a much more powerful force than hate Mm -hmm. but it it doesn't have the physical power of violence that's interesting though like how can you show violent love and not violent love Mm -hmm. like a non-consensual i'm like forcing this on you powerful like how can you have a a powerful unbridled love towards your kids or towards somebody who is who would be into that? You know, what would that look like? That's a great question. I I would have to think about it. We should ask our listeners to send in their answers. Send in your answers. Yeah. And also let us know if uh, this kind of raw dog conversation <laughs> style is something you're super into. Do you love or, or do you hate it? Just deep dick in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. See you next time. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming by. You guys are great. We love you. We love you. We, uh, I love you. I love you, Maggie, and I love <laughs> everyone who's joining in with us. Uh, if you have anything to say at all, email us at switcheroopodcast at gmail. Yeah. Read us your grocery list. We're excited yeah. about you and your life. That's right. That's okay. right. And uh, have, have some interesting conversations with people you care about. Yep. Cool. Anything else, Maggie? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a, a violently caring goodbye. God, I love you guys so much. <laughs> I'm going to bite your cheeks off. This has been amazing, Maggie. I feel like there's a way to do it so without good. just superlatives. I know. I think there's a subtle, okay. there's also a subtle way to do okay, it. Okay, let's. But, but let's, that's. That's level two, and okay. we're just let's, scraping the surface of level let's one. Let's be love warriors. Yeah, love warriors. Let's do it. Okay. okay. Sweet. Peace out. Bye. Later. And goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Bye. Yeah, I said it last. And goodbye. I was sitting in the backyard sipping on a minty drink. I saw a girl standing there. She was mowing the lawn. I said, Has this egg? Who's this girl back here? That's the lawnmower girl. What's she doing? Is she talking on the telephone?